Welcome back, everybody. This is episode number six. It's really uh, speeding along here at Live Fire Cooking Podcast. We're almost at 1,500 downloads. So thank you, everyone, for downloading, subscribing, and listening um, to our brand new show here. I'm joined by Christy Vanover from Girls Can Grill and Derek Wolf from Over the Fire Cooking, as usual. And um, we're going to start with Derek today. Uh, tell us a little bit about what you're, something you've cooked recently or just something you got going on that you're excited about, Mr. Derek. Yeah, man. So this weekend, I was actually hanging out with Cowboy Charcoal and Western Barbecue out at uh, the Dallas World Food Championships. So I had a lot of fun cooking all kinds of stuff. The first day, we did a um, a bunch of different uh, pork on Churrasco skewers. Uh, so uh, if if you don't know what Churrasco skewers are, they're really more like swords. Um, so they're these huge swords that you either uh, they can sit in in a rotisserie mechanism, or they could uh, lean over the fire. And so we had them leaning over the fire. We did all kinds of stuff. I mean, we were uh, doing ribs that we kind of snaked onto the churrasco skewer. Uh, we did pork chops, um, and then we smoked some butts and a few other fun things. Uh, that day, we actually cooked. I cooked a a, a whole salmon uh, nailed to a uh, a cedar plank that we cooked over the fire for about like two and a half hours. So that was a lot of fun. And then the second day we did all beef. So we did <clears throat> New York strips, strip loin that we actually did something different with. It's hard to explain, except instead of traditionally on the strip loin, you're actually cutting it into steaks. However, this time we did it kind of differently. We did it much more like a Brazilian style cut where they actually cut um, the other way. So they cut all the long way of the whole strip into um, like long rectangles instead of the individual strip cuts. Uh, so you ended up, end up with this like huge family style roast that you can slice. And it's very similar because of the fat that's on the outside layer of the the strip is very similar to like picanha. So it has that, the fat at one end with the lean um, muscle uh, and meat right on the other end. So that was a lot of fun, man. I mean, I don't have just one thing. I mean, we cooked so much. We were so exhausted after cooking. Um, it was, it was a lot of fun. Definitely, definitely recommend going to world food championships next year. I believe it's going to be in Dallas again. Uh, sometime in October. So plus I got to hang out with some really good friends. A uh, good old shout out to Tim Van Dorn, uh, Bama Grill Master, who came in fifth in the world for steak. So. Whoa, that's a lot. Of, that, that's <laughs> a lot at one time. Was Were you so when you guys were cooking, what was like, was that for competition? Or what was the like? Explain to me how you, you guys fit into the whole the whole thing. Yeah, totally understand. So the competition is obviously a, a competition. So all of the competitors are out there competing in different categories, very similar to um, Americanized barbecue competitions. However, there are four all kinds of categories, whether it be sandwich or steak or chili, or there were barbecue as well. Um, so that was a lot of fun. However, what we got to do is that we got to come in alongside the brands and hang out in a little area called Barbecue Ranch. 
that was really just open to the general public where they can come in and try a bunch of crazy food um, that you know they may not be able to get access to or cook on a daily basis. So we were alongside a bunch of different other brands, including Kamado Joe with Chef Eric Gephardt and a bunch of other people out there that were just cooking for the masses and cooking a bunch of food for fun, um, entertaining people and having a, a good time while they were watching the competition. Okay. So that makes sense. So, so the public was actually invited to that segment of it then. Right. Yeah. So the public could watch the competition um, and they did a, a really good job. But when you're ready to eat or have something that was different, or you just wanted your, your Instagram pick, you were coming over and hanging out with us. Right. Right. Okay. That makes sense. So you had a good time. It sounds like. I mean, it wasn't a bad time. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> and it, I would say I was exhausted. It yeah. was it was a good old time. We cooked a lot of stuff. I uh, got to hang out with Kita Roberts uh, from Girl Carnivore. And she is awesome and such a like a fantastic cook. So we got to hang out cooking. Um, there are a couple of other uh, amazing chefs that were hanging out with us as well. But overall, it was a really good time. Chrissy, have you been to World Food Championships? I have. I've actually competed in it um, about three, for, I think the first three years when they held it in Vegas. Yeah, it's it's definitely grown and it's amazing. And actually, that's what got me into competition barbecue as I was competing in um, the burger and the sandwich categories for the first few years. And I walked over to where all the barbecue teams were and just fell in love with everything about the atmosphere of that and was like, started talking to Danielle from DBQ and um, Pitmaster Boys and all just all sorts of different guys. And just, yeah, I was like, I get, okay, I got to transition. I got to do this. So yeah, it's really cool. And big shout out to Dirt Road Barbecue. They were the grand champions at the at the barbecue uh, world championships there. So yeah, super. Yeah, what I followed you guys on Instagram too, and I was so jealous of all the all the fun hanging meat. It looked fantastic. Is there any is there anything, Derek, that you are like any takeaways of stuff you're going to try in your backyard, or is it mostly stuff you've done before, just uh, twists on it? A lot of it was stuff that I've done before. Um, I think that there was a lot of things that I had a lot of fun cooking again. Obviously, doing we we got these whole, uh, I believe they were Patagonian, um, they were Argentinian salmon. So we got to fillet them and uh, lean both massive fillets along with the head and the tail uh, and nail them to the plank. So that was a lot of fun. Uh, I've obviously, I've done that before in my backyard, but probably not to the scale uh, that we were cooking out. Um, but overall, I think that most of the stuff was uh was super fun to do. I think the biggest thing for me is that I really fell in love with churrasco swords. I mean, mm. they are so easy to cook a bunch of food on and they're easy to use over a fire and to maintain and to really feed the masses. So I think if anything, I kind of walked away realizing if I really wanted to cook over a fire uh, for a large amount of people, or if you ever really want to cook over fire for a large amount of people, I like really recommend looking into doing some form of a churrasco skewer uh, with maybe a wagon that's off the ground or even building it on the ground with just kind of like a center bar um, where you can just lean the swords over the fire with the fire just in the middle. Right. <laughs> What's up, puppy? <laughs> so can so, you get those on can you get those on Amazon? Uh, I don't believe that you can get them on Amazon. However, you can definitely get them through NorCal Grillworks. Okay. Uh, they are really easy to get through there. 
there's a bunch of people online that are creating these swords, so definitely recommend it. Um, they, so you basically you, you lean them. You don't like push them into the ground. You lean them up against something to, so that they're correctly positioned over the fire. Correct. Correct. Yeah. So they they lean over the fire with just one centerpiece that you're actually able to lean it over the fire with. So it's leaning onto that center bar. And then you just rotate them or, or cook them as you need to. Um, the other fun or kind of interesting thing, too, is that they usually have a, a hole at the top near the base of the sword uh, so that you can add a little bit of wire into it and then wrap that back around so that the meat doesn't slide off or anything like that while you're cooking. So, uh, right. yeah. And then is your fire like in front the, of the sword versus underneath of the sword? You know, so if the sword is at like a 45 degree angle, the fire is right at the end, right in the center. So the fun part about the Churrasco swords is that you can actually lean them from both sides. So you can cook a lot of food Mm -hmm. really, really quickly. And the other fun thing is, is that you only have to deal with one fire. So what you end up having is that you can Mm -hmm. really focus your, um, your energy at maintaining one fire in the center and, and then you can really f- have a lot more time and free time to handle the meat and the food and everything else that you want to prepare or how you want to cook it. That I think that was my big takeaway is like it. a lot of times when I'm cooking for a large amount of people, you're dealing with um, a couple of different fires. Mm-hmm. Uh, so with this one, you actually end up being able to cook with like only one big fire, uh, which is honestly, I think that's a big thing for any of those people that are out there that are interested in cooking over fire for a lot of people. The biggest and most difficult aspect of it is not the food. It's the fire, like actually maintaining that fire, building it and keeping it warm for all of the things that you're cooking or the different temperatures that you need it at is really difficult. And in and of itself, I ended up, I end up having somebody just basically take on the whole aspect of maintaining the fires as one whole job. So I think that having one fire really frees up more time and energy for you to focus on other fun stuff. Plus with that one fire, you can throw like you can throw the veggies right around the rim of the fire. And so they'll actually catch some of the drippings uh, from the meat And yeah, there's a lot of other fun things. You can add a cast iron right underneath uh, some of your bigger cuts so you can end up, you know, basting it with some of that with the, you know, with the, uh, the fat that drips off and add in, you know, some fresh veggies or whatever you want to do into that. So yeah, it ends up being really good. That's, that's a really great point, Derek, because I think because of how, you know, kind of unpredictable and and like you've just described it almost as surfing where you never know what the wave is going to be when you're cooking over live fire. That's disproportionately more complicated by the fact that if you're cooking for a larger group, you're trying to plate multiple dishes at one time. Um, anything you can do to try to, you know, make it easier on yourself um, is is definitely beneficial because the, the bigger the group, when you have that somewhat inconsistent fuel source, the bigger the group, the more food you have on there one time the more internal temperatures you're watching, especially because of the high heat, you're, you know, a lot of times with the thinner cuts, your internal temp is moving rapidly. And so your window to grab at the right time is competing against other cuts. So the more you can have in one place and not to worry about, uh, you know, a ton of different fires is a, is a great point, I think. Yeah. 
Well, anything um, to lessen the amount of work that you have to do, uh, because cooking over fire, I mean, it, it is actually a lot of work, especially if you're going to that level of wanting to feed a couple hundred, if not a couple thousand people. Right. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, great. Uh, thank you for the update on world food. I recommend everyone, including myself going next year. Um, it looked like a great, great, great time. Uh, moving on to Christy, what is something you're excited about? Um, yeah, so this week um, I didn't grill a lot because I was car shopping. Um, but when I did grill, I actually did my smoke and braising technique. So what that basically is is you know everybody's familiar with having Mama stew, you know where she cooks a pot roast in the oven or whatever, or Dad. Um, but what I like to do when I'm making my stews is I mix things up to where I actually smoke the meat first, and then once I get it to basically a nice mahogany color, more than temp, um, I focus on color. Then I go ahead and put it in a cast iron pot with all the vegetables and braising liquids and finish it out. And you can finish it out on the grill or you can finish it out in the oven. But the main thing is that you're just getting that really nice, rich, smoky flavor to the meat that really accentuates the broth as it finishes that cooking. Um, so um, I do a lot of varieties of different things that I do with the with my braising liquids. Um, but this time I was doing some pork shanks. So that's basically the leg cut of the pork. Um, it's all, You can also find it called osobuco. Um, I usually do my osobuco with beef, but I happen to find some pork shanks. So I smoked those up. I used actually Derek's hatch uh, chili seasoning because I went with the chili verde style stew. Um, and then after I got a nice color on those, I just braised them in some onions and jalapeno, threw in a couple cans of uh, green enchilada sauce, some chilies, uh, some limes and uh, some cilantro and just finished that off. Like I said, I was cooking the, the shanks about 275 and, and it took about, I think an hour and a half for them to get a nice good color on them and then finished them off in the, in the, cast iron pot. I went ahead and left it on the smoker, but again, you can do it in the oven because at that point you're not drawn in any, any more smoke, but threw it in the cast iron with, with the sauteed veggies and the liquids, and then just waited for them to be fork tender. I think it took another couple hours and then serve that with some homemade tortillas. That's awesome. Uh, that's so the also, how you say it? Oso buco? Uh, oso buco. Mm -hmm. Oso buco. Um, because I often end up with a lot of venison, venison shanks that I, um, like I shrink wrap and I've, I sous vide a few of them last year. Um, not shrink wrap. What's it called? Vacuum seal. There we go. <laughs> um, and uh, they turned out great, but I've been kind of seeing that, you know, that term and that recipe pop up different places. And so maybe I'll copy that. I assume that would work for venison. Is there any reason? Oh, that yeah. That would? No, absolutely. Yeah. And I've got, I've got a recipe on my website now. The, the chili verde one will be posted soon, but the one that's on there now is actually for a beef recipe and it's more of an Italian blend of flavor. So it um, braises in a tomato tomatoey based broth along with some red wine and some um, mushrooms and olives. And so it's got a little bit more of acidic and then I sprinkle with uh, some Parmesan cheese and it's really good over like a polenta um, or, or just pasta noodles. So yeah, you could totally do that with venison and really the advantage with, with so many meats, I think we've talked about before is just the versatility. Like you can go Mexican, you can go Asian, you can go Italian. Um, just, just find that, that any shank and usually shanks are so much cheaper than other cuts of meat too. Plus you get the marrow um, because it, for those who aren't familiar with shanks, I mean, it is the leg bone. So right down the center of that bone, you're going to get that nice, rich marrow. So I'm sure the same would be true for venison shanks. You know, that's just going to really help um, really uh, like just add that extra punch to the sauce. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I'm going to definitely try that with, with the um, some venison shanks. You have a lot less marrow, but you would still have obviously some. 
uh, I'll let you know how it goes. Speaking of your car shopping, did you buy a Prius? <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> I bought the opposite of a Prius. So um, I don't know if anybody's familiar with the Jeep Gladiator, but it's the new Jeep pickup truck. And as soon as they announced it at the car show and they showed off the big pumpkin orange one, I was like, I've got to have one of those. And they first came out, they didn't have the orange color. Um, so I've been kind of keeping my eye on it. And the local dealer had two come to town. Um, I put in an offer at both locations and let them fight for me and got a really good deal. And so I am now driving a beautiful pumpkin orange Jeep Gladiator Rubicon. Congratulations. Thank That's you. Very exciting. Thanks. That's exciting. So I need a step stool because I'm only four foot 11. So getting into it is, uh, I don't have my side steps yet. I gotta, I gotta figure out that with the rock rails, but yeah, I'm, I'm totally pumped. It's awesome. That is very exciting. I'm curious to see, like I haven't, I've seen a few of them around here in the East. I haven't seen just tons of them. Um, but I'm excited to see what those look like with a whole bunch of grills in the back. Yeah. Uh, it, so hopefully you're posting in your stories or stuff so we can kind of see the, the finish I, I will soon. And they, it matches my grills perfectly. So it's like, yeah, I'm a little obsessed with the color orange, but it's okay. <laughs> it's a, it, obsessed in a good way. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Gives you a consistent brand. Right. <laughs> and it's pumpkin just in time for Halloween. So <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. Goes right with your pumpkin spice latte. Derek, are you? Uh, have you upgraded your rig you've been threatening to for a while, I feel like? No, not yet. Although maybe one day I'll uh, I'll go and get myself a, a brand new truck because we sure as heck need it. But um, no, I think uh, I am a, a, a Toyota fan though, so I'm probably going to end up getting a Tundra at some point. Yeah. Yep. Nice. Um, if you heard that slight interruption, that was Krista, my marketing uh, coordinator, coming in to tell me that we hit 10K on Instagram and she Woo-hoo! forgot I was recording. So uh, we... <laughs> Finally, arrived at the swipe up feature. So if you follow Brio on Instagram, you'll be able to see me. Like, I'll probably just spam my followers now because I can make them swipe up for anything. <laughs> you need to have 10K to swipe up? Yeah. yeah, you have to have 10K to swipe up. Yeah. Huh? yeah. Instagram uh, makes it an ex- exclusive club for cool people like you guys. <laughs> Welcome to the club. Yeah, Welcome thank you. <laughs> um, all right. So. You guys, are you both heading to the Jack? Is that something we should talk about? Or I know Christy is. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, oh, go ahead. I think Allie and I will probably make it there. Man, it's just been a lot of cooking lately. So uh, I think we're just going to, if we do go, we're, we'll end up just being, uh, just relaxing and uh, not enjoying some Jack Daniels because you can't drink it in Lynchburg. However. Oh, wait, I've, got, I've got ways to get you some Jack. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Why can't you? Uh, because it's a, it's still a dry county. Really? Oh, yeah. 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 So there's not that really a way surprising. to... There's not really a way to purchase it there, but it's the Jack is, is a fun time. So for those who don't know, the Jack is uh, World Invitational Barbecue Championships. Um, to get there, you either have to win seven grand championships um, in the competition barbecue series, or um, if you win a grand championship, your name goes into um, basically a barrel, and they if they pull out your name for your state, then you get your bung pulled and you get to go to the Jack. So it's a really um, elite exclusive type of event. Um, and then obviously whoever wins gets the title of world championship, but um, it starts on as far as the festivities, they really start on Friday. Teams are going to start showing up, you know, early. I fly out uh, Wednesday, but uh, the teams will start showing up Friday and then there's um, a parade and there's a big event on barbecue Hill, which is really awesome. 
awesome. It's at the top of this hill and you just kind of overlook Lynchburg, Tennessee, really beautiful views, but there's definitely Jack up there on that hill <laughs> for, those, <laughs> for those going to the party. Um, and then it's all seriousness, you know, after that Friday night and Saturday morning, the teams are cooking. Um, and it's more than the four meats. It's more than um, your chicken ribs, pork and brisket. Teams are also doing things like sauces and these phenomenally elaborate desserts. Um, and then I'll be in the tent with the judges. Um, this will be my third year judging. Um, lots of people that you guys follow on Instagram, probably you're going to see them judging like Stretch and Tim uh, from Bama Grill Master. Um, the list just goes on and on. Um, lots of uh, barbecue Hall of Famers are judges as well. Um, so Saturday, we're going to eat really well. And then we'll figure out um, who gets grand champion and reserve champion. And then everybody pretty much heads home. So it's like, it's kind of like the Royal, but just is organized differently. Yeah, absolutely. It's like the Royal in the concept of a barbecue competition, but it's much fewer teams. I, there's usually around 100 or so. There's also international teams there, just like there is at the Royal. But it's very consolidated into kind of the grassy area of Lynchburg, Tennessee, right there by the distillery. Um, so it's it's really kind of more of an exclusive, even though you have to get an invitation to be at the Royal Invitational the Royal also has the open. So there's like 600 teams. They're spread out across a, you know, pavement speedway. Uh, this is really a lot more quaint, um, a little bit more elite, I think. Um, and it's just, yeah, it's, it always rains though. So it's always muddy. So if you are going to drive on over to Lynchburg, make sure you, you bring your muck boots, but, um, yeah, I don't know. There's just something about that crisp Tennessee air and it's just, I don't know. You can smell the, smell the whiskey brewing in the, or brewing's might be distilling, I should say it in the air. And yeah, it's, it's a really or good time. Of brewing in some yeah. way. <laughs> yeah. Okay, there you go. I, I mean, the beginning process of of making whiskey is the same as making beer. So, um, and yeah, I mean, Tennessee this time of year, I mean, I get the the pleasure of living here all all year long. So, uh, I will say that there are times in the year that you don't want to live in Tennessee. Uh, speaking of July and August and the beginning of September, because um, it's it's rough. However, when it starts to cool down, you get that weather change and you get the leaves changing. I mean, man, I'm you know, you want to cook outside every single day. So and I do the Jack uh, for a lot of people. Um, I personally feel like the Jack is pretty similar to like it's like the masters of barbecue. Um, where it is invitational. <laughs> frankly, frankly, stop. You know, so that's uh, so that's actually Cody, our uh, our little uh, our little new golden doodle. Um, so she's yet to figure out that her mom walking into um, our bedroom to go and get something is not an intruder. <laughs> um, <laughs> but. Yeah, I think that it's really like a it's like invitational um, and it really is pretty much the cream of the crop, um, at least in my opinion. So it's quite an experience uh, and it's it is a lot of fun. So if you are out there, if you're at Lynchburg or if you're in Lynchburg, uh, I'm going to be hanging out at the Western Barbecue Tent. um, And I know that, Christy, you're going to be judging and doing all kinds of crazy stuff, right? 
Yeah, absolutely. And up at Barbecue Hill, there's some airstreams up there. I'm fortunate enough that I'll be staying up there in one of those and hanging out and then definitely enjoying the town, um, eating at the restaurants there. And just there's 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 a lot of Jack activities going on in the town. The town's really cool. And there's some specialty Jack Daniels that you can only get um, actually in Lynchburg, Tennessee. There's um, the Tennessee Tasters and it's a hickory smoked Jack Daniels, which is fantastic. So yeah, you can, you can buy at the gift shop, but there's just like not restaurants and stuff where you can drink. So it's a good, it's a good time. I definitely recommend what the, one of the things that's unique about the Jack compared to other barbecue competitions is if you're a spectator, you can actually watch the judging in most things like the Royal we're like sequestered into this enclosed big area and nobody can watch us. But in here they actually have bleachers. So the people who come just the visitors who want to come and watch, they can sit there not, not that you want to watch us eat a bunch of food, but the advantage is that we get these platters of food, you know, or these boxes of food where we get like six ribs or, and sometimes the teams will put 10 ribs in the box. So that means there's two extra ribs and the table captains where all the tables are next to the bleachers. They just turn around and hand the ribs out to the crowd. So you can possibly get a taste of some world championship barbecue from these competitors. If you're sitting there on the bleachers and watching, which is definitely unique at a barbecue competition. Right. For sure. No, that seems like it'd be definitely an added benefit for, uh, sitting there watching the judging for sure. Um, so that's going to be going basically this weekend. Um, podcast will go up on Friday. This is we're recording here on Tuesday. So it'll be going up while it's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a bit of a different weekend planned this weekend. I'm going to be, um, we have our family gathering from my family's from Canada and we have this piece of land that's, um, accessed only by canoe. And so we'll be all be piling in there and I'm going to take a Phoenix back there and uh, we'll be cooking all kinds of hopefully wild game. We've got a lot of stuff in the, in the planning. Um, I think mom and dad both have moose tags and then we have, I'll be grouse hunting and stuff like that as well. So I may not have a ton of service to watch what you guys are doing at the Jack, but I'll get back and I'll make sure I catch back up. I want to see a photo of the Phoenix on a canoe. (laughs) Oh yeah, absolutely. I'm going to say it's 24. 24 inch of Phoenix. Nice. I'm going to leave it there <laughs> because I'm not taking it back out. It's downstream to the land. It's upstream away from the land. And I'm not paddling that thing back. Oh, that's upstream. awesome. So, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. We bought it last year and we, this spring went down and built these little micro cabins. Um, and we floated all the lumber down the river using two canoes as a platform. Oh, and wow. uh, we had about, I don't know, 1500 pounds on two canoes. And there was like, about two and a half inches before the water was going to be coming in the sides. I took a, I did like, I did like a little vlog style video. I haven't posted it yet. I think I'll post it maybe uh, next day or two from that experience this spring. So we'll be going back there and hopefully knocking out some wild game recipes on the Phoenix. And uh, I'll, I have some service there, not actually on the land, but around there. So I might be able to post some stuff as it's happening. So that sounds perfectly awesome. Should be, uh, should be fun. Uh, is there anything else hot? on either of your plates before we wrap it up? I think things may be finally winding down on my end a little bit. So now it's now it's time to just like start thinking about what, what the big meats are going to be for the holidays, you know, Thanksgiving, Christmas and all that. And that's going to be my focus after the Jack. And then I've got one more competition in December and then my competition season will be wrapped up. Nice. Yeah, I think uh, it's kind of winding down a little bit for me as well. There might be a little bit more travel. I know that I want to still get out there and hang out with you, Jonathan, and go hunting. Uh, So uh, we'll probably get that done. Um, And yeah, honestly, I think that the best part about this time of year is being able to stay at home and cook for family and friends as as we kind of walk into, you know, 
holiday season. So I'm getting excited for that. I want to see your family come over, Derek, and you just like pull out the swords and you're like, ha ha. (laughs) (laughs) And they're going to be like, what's happening? You're like, Churrasco. Churrasco. I don't think that they would be as impressed as you think. They're kind of like, oh man, another stupid thing to cook over fire. It was so fun for the first couple of years. Now it's starting to lose its uh, lose its luster. It's like he's still, he's still into that. You're still. <laughs> well, the hard thing too is I just man, I just keep on finding crazy stuff or weird things that I want to cook on. Like I got that pizza oven, uh, that like single use pizza oven outside and my wife was like oh my gosh another grill (laughs) um so however i will say she was really excited because she is quite the pizza fan so we actually uh got our first pizza cooked uh in that oven out there and um you know we learned a lot we we did a few things differently but it was it was really good so that's yeah it looks like you've been having fun on that yeah for sure it's also, I think I, I really love it too, because it's a different style of cooking that I'm not used to um, having that kind of oven style fire wood oven. So I can, uh, I think I'm going to bake a fish in there. Uh, I think I'm going to, you know, I've been doing wings, uh, lots of wings. Mm-hmm. I would love to, um, I did steak in there as well. So I saw that. Yeah. With steak and eggs. Uh, or was that that one or was that a different one? I did uh, steak and shrimp. Oh, okay. That's right. That's right. But eggs would be really good in there as well. So steak and eggs, breakfast in there. Um, it up. Yeah. Sweet. Nice. Awesome. Well, yeah, holidays are coming up. We're excited about it. Um, lots of fun stuff happening at Bria. We're kind of in the phase where we're getting ready for, starting to think about 2020 and new products and um, just a lot of, a lot of new stuff is behind the scenes here. So stay tuned for that and we will see everybody all of our listeners next week on episode seven.